Let's try that again. Hello, Overlake. It is so good to be with you today. I love being with you. Why don't you go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout. And uh, my name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. You will see that we are continuing our summer series called Summer Growth Spurt. And uh, I don't know if you, you know, if that makes any sense to you, this idea of a growth spurt. But basically, you know, I've got elementary school, junior high kids in my home. It's kind of that deal where you say goodbye to your friends at the end of sixth grade. And then you come back to school at the beginning of the seventh grade. And over the summer, there's just this incredible growth happen. In fact, we got a photo. Number 21 used to be the point guard for the team. But then after the summer... You know, he's the center. And, uh, you know, we all want to grow. I want to grow. I'm planning on increasing my height by like at least two inches this summer, mostly hair, but uh, I'm going to go for it. So the idea of a summer growth series, the idea is that we would grow spiritually, that we would take very seriously over the course of the summer the idea that God desires for us to grow in strength and stature spiritually, that he desires for our spiritual maturity to increase the level of obedience, the level of intimacy we have with him. And so that's what Summer Growth Spurt is all about. Every topic that we tackle will help us and assist us in that regard. At the same time, I want to let you know that there are a couple of celebrations that are very uh, dear to me, anyway, this month, the month of July that I celebrate. The first is that tomorrow is my birthday. I turn 44 years old tomorrow. So... Yeah, I know, huh? Happy birthday to me. There you go. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Listen, uh, in lieu of gifts, you know, uh, just tithe. That would be awesome. Um, uh, So, yeah, so 44. And then at the same time, this same month is sort of my anniversary. I started at Overlake in the month of July, 10 years ago. So 10 years have gone by. Yeah. And uh, I should be applauding you for, you know, putting up with me. Thank you, Overlake, for letting me be part of this journey. It has been an incredible journey these last 10 years. And, uh, you know, like a roller coaster, I tell people I'm on a roller coaster that only goes up. I am very excited about the things that God has taught me through the various seasons at Overlake. But I also, the reason why I point that out is I wanted to tell you this. I have never been more excited about a season in ministry ever than I am right now. The season that Overlake is in, the the way in which we are going over these next two years in the Blessing My City campaign, it is absolutely, uh, I I believe this, this, the call of God on our lives. It's it's such a beautiful vision of what the church is intended to be, and, and I am very, very excited about going after that with you. And so today, that is the topic we're gonna be talking about in our summer growth spurt, the, the spiritual growth that we have as we embrace a vision that God has given us. Now, I do want you to, to think about this for one moment. This idea of spiritual growth, building spiritual muscle, if you will, it is not just for our benefit. Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. God desires for us to grow spiritual muscle, but it's not for our sake that we would do this. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about um, a bodybuilder in a gym for a moment, right? As somebody who is interested in, in growing muscle, they're building muscle, they're, right, they're, they're getting tone and, and large and lean or however you want to describe it. But what is the primary purpose of that 
It's so when they look in a mirror, they can see really good muscle tone. And if you don't know, I mean, this is what I experience every day when I look in the mirror, but the idea, no, just kidding. But the idea is, right, if, if somebody's only interested in like growing for the sake of growing, bodybuilders, maybe an example, oh, maybe they compete a little bit and they flex next to other people flexing, but it's, it's, it's not, it's sort of a different thing than my buddy who's a firefighter who works out all the time, he, that he, he and, and the, the buddies that he have at the firehouse, they, they spend a lot of time making sure they're eating right, making sure their cardio is good and their respiratory is good and their muscles are strong, but it's for a purpose so that when a building is burning, he can throw you over his shoulder and carry you out. Do you see what I mean? There's a total difference in what it's for, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know what spiritual growth, it's for something other than you. It's so that you can be a vibrant member of the community of faith. It's so that you can be an active participant in the family of God, so that you can help bring with your hands and your will and your skills the kingdom of God on earth. I found this quote from Rick Warren. He says, spiritual maturity is never an end in itself. We grow up in order to give out. And this is really getting us to the foundation of the Blessing My City campaign. The foundation of the Blessing My City campaign is really, really simple. It is that you live where you live for a purpose. You do not live in your neighborhood or your apartment complex. You do not live in your condo. You, you are not a, a part of your community and your city by accident. You're there by appointment. That God has placed you there for a reason so that you will be a blessing to those who live and work around you. So here's the scripture. This is the foundation, Jeremiah 29, 7. It's uh, the Lord's word speaking to the people of Israel through the prophet of Jeremiah. And he writes, work for the good of the city where I've taken you as captives and pray to the Lord for that city. When it prospers, you will also prosper. Israel was being taken into captivity. They did not want to go. They wanted to go home to their own city, to Jerusalem. Instead, God was taking them as captives to another city. There were false prophets saying, oh, you're going to go home soon. Don't worry about this city. Just ignore this city. God says, no, no, no. This is what you do. You labor on behalf of the city I'm sending you to. I want you to work intentionally so that the city where you are going, the city where you're going to live, that that city is blessed by you. I want you to pray for it. I want you to pray for your neighborhood. I want you to pray for your community. Pray for, for where it is that you're going to live. I want you to pray for its blessing because as it prospers, you will prosper. And so that's the foundation of what Blessing My City looks like over these next two years. The call of God on Overlay Christian Church is that we would bless our cities. Now, how this is fleshed out, a couple of different ways. If you're filling in the blanks, the first one, by way of review, is that we are called to care for my parish. Care for my parish. A parish is just that old word, kind of a geographical word. When the church was first getting organized, they sort of divided different regions up into parishes, and they would put in each geographical region a priest or a pastor to care for the needs of the parish. And the argument is that we're making over these next two years is that you're to see your neighborhood as your parish. 
You're to see your community as your parish. You're the priest. You're the pastor that God has placed in that parish. And so we are called to care for our parish. We're called to love. We're called to serve. We're called to care for those who are immediately around us. We've given you a couple of graphics to help you think about this. One is the neighborhood graphic, where the challenge is that there are these homes that are immediately surrounding your home, or condos immediately surrounding your condo, and that you would, number one, know the names of the people that are immediately around you. It's amazing how much of a challenge even that is, right? That we would know by first name, that we would know something about all of the neighbors that live around us. And then number two, that we would know them enough that we would be able to care for their needs. We'd be able to meet them. We'd be able to know what it is that we might do to serve them and to bless them. Now, uh, this summer, Overlake's going after a thing. Pastor Josh will mention it a little bit. It's called the Summer of Serving. And all of our life groups have been challenged to go after summer of serving. I think we have these cards on the desks out in the hallway. But the, the challenge is that we've come up with 25 ways in which we can begin to serve intentionally the neighbors that, that we live among, right? The community that we live within. What I like the most about this card is that there's number 26, 27, 28. They're just blank lines, and the idea is that you would be creative, come up with some ways in which you're caring for your parish, and then let us know we want to share your good ideas with all of Overlake, right? We, we don't think we have all the good ideas. We think all the good ideas are in the body, so we want to hear your good ideas. I was just reading through Hebrews this week, and this verse jumped off the page at me. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways. Right? Let's be creative. Let's employ the very best of our creativity. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Well, that's what we want. We want us to think of ways and motivate one another so that we are able to care for our parish. You know, one incredible idea that has come up from our students is this idea of leaving kind notes all over the campus. And so I think at this point there have been three or four campuses that when the students have arrived in the morning, they are just covered with these little sticky notes all over the place. You are loved. You are cared for. You are incredible. You are more gifted than you know. You are unique, right? Just all of these messages of God's heart for all the students all over the campuses. And friends, I'm not talking about Christian campuses. Talking about public school campuses, right, where, where this message has gone out. And, and it's just one way, right, to begin to communicate the heart of God to our parish. Here we are right in the middle of summertime, right? This is, it's beautiful, beautiful summertime weather. I had some relatives come in from out of town. They were here this whole last week. And so, of course, I told them the truth. I said, uh, it's my uncle, my aunt. I said, Uncle Bobby, you need to know the truth about Seattle. It's like this all the time. But you know, I mean, friends, I've been here for 10 years, many of you for so much longer, you, you know that, that we, are, we are different people in the summer, right? You just realize that it's like we have two different personalities. We have two months a year personality and then 10 months a year personality. And the two months a year is like we are all happy and smiling. All life is done outdoors, windows open, doors open, barbecues. You're waving at the neighbors, right? Like it's just this incredible, it's, it's Mayberry is where we live. 
And then for like 10 months out of the year, it's like, oh, shut the, you know, Netflix. Like that's, that's just everything. So the, the challenge is that right now it's the summertime, so lean in that you would invite neighbors over for barbecues. You take them the blackberry cobbler. You have conversations. You learn about their needs. If they're going on vacation, offer to take care of their pets and return them alive. You know, there's just all kinds of great things. So kind of keep that in mind. I want you to look at this verse, Ephesians 2.10. says, for we are God's masterpiece. That's you, that's me. The masterpiece, the pinnacle of his artistry. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Right? Because if you are a part of the family of God, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation, the scripture says. But it's so that. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want to share with you a story of my dear friend, Nancy. She's an overlaker, and uh, despite dealing with a host of illnesses and hospitalizations, Nancy has a faith in Jesus that has only grown richer and deeper throughout her journey. Even on really tough days, you'll find her at taco time in Redmond, sharing a meal with one of her homeless friends or with someone who needs a mentor, or even just a grandma's encouragement. Redmond is Nancy's parish, seven days a week, and she's excited about really leaning in over these next two years in order to care for her parish. Uh, interesting to see some of the things that are happening because of her commitment. In fact, I just got this email from her recently. She said, God has been awesome and sent me my three homeless friends to wish me well and to remind me how much God loves me. What an honor for these three homeless men to care enough to make an effort to check on me and just love me enough to worry about me too. I am so humbled and honored to be so loved by these guys. Sunday morning, my friend M left a heartwarming message for me. He said, honey, I wanna thank you for supporting me to get sober. He said Sunday was his second year of sobriety and he wanted to say thanks for loving him. I just got wobbly and folded. And today, Jay came into taco time panicky and all uptight. He was very upset and worried about me. He said he had walked all the way to OCC to be in church with me on Sunday and I wasn't there. He was distraught and heard in the sermon that two people had died this past week. He was afraid it was me. He said he didn't know how to ask or who to ask and so he found A, our other friend at taco time who was in tears because he also was worried about me and forgot that I had had surgery. She had surgery to get a new feeding tube put in. I just got this wow feeling about these three men and how much they loved me and appreciated me. It was too sweet and special. It was all God and how he chose to honor me and show me what God himself thought of me, insignificant me, and how these three wise men honoring me with their love and friendship. Wow, God, thanks for taking such excellent care of me and for showering me with such good friends who are devoted, loving, and special, who love me just the way I am. What I want you to see from Nancy's story and email is really, really simple. That she's made a commitment to care for her parish and she's receiving care from her parish. She's made a commitment to honor her parish. She's receiving honor from her parish. She's made a commitment to bless her parish. She's being blessed by her parish. You know, I asked Nancy if she'd be willing to share her story in person and, and she's very willing, but uh, her, her body's physically weak. 
And so what I do want to do right now is I just want to introduce her to you. She's here in the service. Nancy and her friend Jeff are just right over here in the front row. They're waving. Can you wave right now, Nancy? <laughs> Jeff, we love you. We're so thankful for you guys. Thank you, Jeff, for caring for her. That's awesome, man. A couple of questions for you. First question, I want you to think about how do you want to serve your parish? Because you know that God delights in using your passions. Second question, how do you feel gifted to serve your parish? Because you know the Lord would love to use your skills to serve your parish. Third question, how do you feel that you would like to serve your parish? You know, God will even use your emotions to bring healing and wholeness to those around you. You see, God wants to use you, exactly you, who you are, where you are, where you are in the spiritual journey, with all sort of the, the, the unique things that make you you. God wants you to be a blessing to your city and to care for your parish. So friends, that's what we're gonna go after. This Danish proverb I found says, what you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. So the challenge is that you would just see yourself as who you are, that's God's gift to you. Now offer it to him and say, Lord, I wanna give a gift to you. I wanna, I wanna bless my city. I wanna care for my parish. The second fill-in is that we are called to be a voice for the voiceless. Care for our parish, be a voice for the voiceless. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the one who brought this to life for me. This is the scripture that really uh, touches on it. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Overlake's going to go after a couple of different expressions over the next two years. I, I want to mention a couple of them to you right now. We have Eastside Academy at Overlake. What, what that is, is a high school expression that serves to minister to those high school students who, for whatever reason, have not been able to flourish in the, uh, the education that Washington State offers. So it's a holistic expression of ministry. We seek to come all the way around the student, kind of 360 degrees, with counseling. It's uh, substance uh, counseling. It's also family counseling. There's a lot of work that happens in each of the students' lives and their own faith journey. And then it's a top-notch education. Eastside Academy exists on our campus, but we seek to expand that. I want you to know that in June, I had the great honor of delivering the message, speaking at the Eastside Academy graduation. And it was, without question, the most touching event I had ever been a part of. Because unlike many high school graduations where names are read, people march across the stage, there's a handshake and a photo, and that's it. Each of the graduates had a chance to stand at the podium and to thank by name the people in their lives who had come alongside them and who had helped make them a success. And there was not a dry eye in the house. 
And then when they received their diplomas, they received their diplomas from the educator, the faculty member who had the most mentor-type relationship with each of the students. And so was able to talk about their strengths and what they had had to overcome in order to succeed in graduation. Friends, the entire time, all I could think was more, more. We need more students. We need more victory. We need more folks experience this kind of love and success as they tackle the difficulties that they face in graduation. So Eastside Academy, very, very excited about expanding that. And then college-age ministry, our young adult ministry, we've talked about, and, and this is a, a part of the expression, I just want to report to you that we launched this ministry the week after Easter. So it's been going for a few months now, and the report that I'm bringing is that on our Sunday night young adult service, we have consistently had between 100 and 150 18 to 25-year-olds all the way through. I mean, it's a huge success, and we're very, very thankful for what God has already done in that process. Um, it, it, it was a huge success. There's a great victory. The Lord is moving. Can Nobody, amen? Uh, like, uh, ah, it's great. How about this? It was a total failure. It was absolutely horrible. We're wasting our time. You know, crickets. Like, guys, just know there's a difference between crickets and, like, praise Jesus, okay? That was a praise Jesus moment. We'll get that. We'll give you another chance. All right, here you go. Uh, Pastor Jake sent me this email, and in the email, he just gave me one report. He said, I ran into two parents right before young adults started. They heard we were starting something new for the college students. They wanted to know if it would work for their son to attend. Apparently, he had walked away from Jesus, wanted nothing to do with church, and was moping around the house depressed. I honestly felt for the parents. It seemed like they were at the end of their rope and out of ideas to help their son. Well, a few weeks ago, I ran back into those same parents, and honestly, I barely recognized them. Their demeanor was night and day different. They were smiling and high-fiving like some massive weight had been lifted off their shoulders. Their son had been coming to young adults and had connected with the messages and some of the leaders. He had not only made a new commitment to Jesus, but his parents told me that they are living with a whole new man who is actually singing worship songs as he gets ready in the morning, right? That's the Lord moving through his story. So we, we love what God's doing through Eastside Academy. We want more. We love college students. We'd actually like to begin to fund that ministry as well. So this is being a voice for the voiceless. Uh, the next fill-in is ministry upgrades. And in terms of ministry upgrades, there are kind of a whole host of things that we feel like at being in this facility, which is coming up on 15 years uh, old, and there's just a lot of things that we want to do. Um, but one of the things that I am absolutely excited about, I've had this idea for 10 years, is the idea of, of building a kid town park and cafe inside. So this would be, and I know you've heard me talk about this, this would be an indoor play area, mostly for young families, toddlers, maybe just kind of that kindergarten area and under. It's for moms and dads to be able to bring their kiddos, their families into a safe and dry environment. You know, my vision is that we'll have the vitamin D lights, we'll be able to be, oh, light. oh I'm in California, you know. Where's Pastor Mike? Oh, he's laying out in Kid Town Cafe, you know, like, but... Uh, but the idea would be that it would be a place where you could bring your neighbors to, 
They might not be ready to come with you to a service on a Sunday, but you could invite them to have a play date with your kiddos and, and have a coffee with you. And the idea is that the conversation might start shallow, but that it would move to significant, right? So this, this is one of those things that we want to go after for ministry upgrades. And then the last feeling here is outlandish love. We've been talking about outlandish love. We've had this vision for outlandish love that we would be God's people who love outlandishly. The reason, friends, is because of Jesus who has loved each and every one of us so outlandishly that he left heaven and he came to earth. He died on the cross so that all of our sins could be forgiven, that we would not live in shame and guilt, but we would live in freedom and wholeness. And we would not only have abundant life now, we'd have eternal life in the next one. And honestly, that kind of outlandish love, we can never get our minds totally around. So all we can do is simply seek to live it. And in terms of outlandish love, one of the expressions that we want to go after is we want to expand our Safe Families program. Safe Families is a a program where we care for families and kids in crisis. There are all kinds of situations on the east side where maybe mom or dad needs help. There's instability in a home. Maybe it's due to substance. Maybe it's due to abuse. Maybe it's due to financial pressure, unemployment. But whatever it's caused by, there's an opportunity. And right now, the only thing that happens is that CPS steps in, the foster program gets kicked into gear. What we want to do is we want to be the church that comes around families in crisis and help out before that happens. See mom and dad get the help that they need, stability that they need. Offer a place for the kids to come and crash out for a while so that they could live in a healthy and a whole environment. And, and so Safe Families, just this beautiful, beautiful ministry. Many of you are already plugged in. I just talked to a family at Safeway two weeks ago. They're so excited, just joining the Safe Families uh, team. They've already got their house ready, their, their kind of bedroom all set up, ready for kiddos to come in whenever the need arises. I mean, there's a lot of joy that comes from being a part to Safe Families. Pastor Josh was telling me that just this last week, an example of Safe Families unfolded just a few blocks away. You might remember that we told a story about baby Ryden. Baby Ryden had uh, some really significant health challenges. He needed a liver transplant. And his parents, Nate and Veronica, they lived in Alaska at the time, but the only way this was possible was for them to move down into this region. And so many overlickers wrapped their arms around this family, housing them temporarily, finding them more permanent housing for them, furnishing their condo from top to bottom in a weekend, visiting them when they're in the hospital, finding a car for them, bringing, a, bringing food for them regularly. I mean, it was an absolute expression of outlandish love around this family and around Baby Ryden. So let me report. Uh, Baby Ryden did eventually receive the liver transplant that he needed, And just two weeks ago, he received the all clear, and now they are back in Alaska and re-engaging their life there. Again, that's a moment. So without family in the area, and as they managed Ryden's ongoing care, they needed another massive effort to help them pack and clean up again. And again, it was our church family that came alongside them. A life group and a few volunteers from the Safe Families team came and showed up, helped them with the support that they needed. This is what Nate said. This is the dad of baby Ryden. Nate said, I really have no idea how we would have made it through without Overlake. Friends, that's you. That's safe families, that's the people of God coming around a significant need. And you might wonder, well, does any of this have, have anything to do with the gospel? Does any, any of it have anything to do with Jesus? 
Well, you tell me. These are Jesus' words. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So how's the world going to give glory to God? It's through you and I taking very seriously this idea to bless our city and to let our light shine so that people will see our good works, but not to give us glory. It's not about us. It's so that God will receive glory. Now, when it comes to the Blessing My City campaign, this is where we're going to go for the next two years. We've spoken about this before. Here's our intent, our prayer. This is, this is what we're hoping for, but also our expectation is that we are shooting for 100% participation at Overlake. That each and every person who calls Overlake Christian Church their church home would consider this a personal challenge from God to them. That we would all catch this vision, we would all hear God's call in this, and we would be involved, not only feet on the ground, hands ready to serve, but we would also be involved in financially supporting this campaign. Because what you'll notice as you go through our Blessing My City campaign brochure, as you kind of pray through all the different initiatives, most of them have some kind of a price tag affixed on them. So in order for us to do these things, we will have to fund them. And so what I want to do right now is I want to talk to you about something. I talked to, uh, to my team before about the idea of creative redundancy and how we have to come up with new ways to tell the same truths again and again. But this analogy I want to use, I want you to know... This is just redundancy. I just want to say the exact same analogy that I did a few months ago. We'll get creative later. Um, I've used this analogy before, and you know what? It didn't work. And so, Overlake, if, if we get it today, great. If we don't get it, I'll just do this analogy again next week. Like, we'll keep bringing it back. Um, but we've got to get this idea of um, this jar represents Overlake's general fund and budget. And this jar represents the Blessing My City campaign. So just hear this clearly. We must continue to fund the general budget so that the day-to-day operations of Overlake Christian Church continue to remain healthy and vibrant. At the same time, we need to fund the Blessing My City campaign. Now, here's what we can't do, okay? We can't take this and put it here, right? As I do that, you should be going, no, Pastor Mike, no, you can't do that, no, the church will go, right? Don't do it. First off, you'll get your hands all sandy. That's not good. Secondly, the idea is, no, 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 if, if this thing goes down, there is no this. Are you guys tracking with me? If we can't continue to make our payments and fund our missionaries and see the, the expression of the kingdom of God and the mission of God called Overlake, if that's not healthy, this doesn't matter. And so what's happened, and, and we talked about this before, is in the first quarter, I sent out a letter, I talked about, guys, we're not doing a great job here. We've got to make sure that we're diligent here. And I want to say, Overlake, thank you so much, but so many of you have responded, and I just want to say, our general fund is, is in a very healthy place right now, and we're moving in a very healthy direction. So thank you, God bless you. I, I, honestly, God's been the one who's done the whole thing. So this is actually quite healthy. I'm, I, I wrote a letter, and it'll go out this week in our half-year giving statement, so you'll see that. that uh, I'll give you a little bit more of a report on how our general fund's doing, but it's in a, in a pretty healthy place. We're very, very thankful. That's why we feel like it's the right time to re-engage the Blessing My City. 
So I just, I want you to see, we can't take from here and give to here. That's, that's a no-no. That's, that's not going to work. So what happens is the way that this gets filled is from, it's from another bucket, okay? It's from this other thing. Look at that. It's just pouring over. It's just, it's just pouring over. Now, what, what bucket am I pouring out of? Well, quite honestly, it's, it's our bucket. Right, it, it, it's us saying that we're gonna be faithful here and we're gonna, we believe enough in the vision of God that we're gonna fund it. So I'm asking you to do what my wife Jody and I are doing. And that is that we wanna continue to be faithful in our giving to Overlake and our general fund. And then we wanna go above and beyond and give to the Blessing My City campaign. That's what I'm calling you. I'm only calling you, Overlake, to do what, what Jody and I uh, feel called by God to do as well. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to speak to three different groups. The first group, I still want to communicate to those of you who call Overlake your, your home. Your kids are, are benefiting from the ministry here. You're growing your family here at Overlake. This is your church home. When somebody says, hey, where do you go to church? You say, Overlake. There are still hundreds of families who call Overlake their church home who do not participate financially at all. And if that's you, I really want to challenge you. This is an excellent season to jump in. These things that we're talking about are so near and dear to the heart of God. This is a great opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm going to take a step in my growth and I'm going to begin to give. The second group I want to talk to, there are many, many families who give at Overlake, but give sporadically. Give maybe when there's a little extra at the end of the month or something like that. And my challenge for you, if that's you, you give, but you give kind of here and there, my challenge is that you would become committed and regular. That maybe you would go online and you get in kind of that regular pattern of every month, you know, and, and that kind of that online giving. Even if you're on vacation, you're able to give. And the idea is that, that you would treat that as a priority in your, in your life. That spiritually speaking, it wouldn't be a hit or miss. It'd be, no, no, I'm committed. And then the last group is those of you, and there are many, many hundreds here at Overlake, who are already committed and faithful in giving, generous in giving, even sacrificial. That's certainly where Jody and I fall. But I'm even asking you, would you wrestle and pray, is there a way that you could participate in a greater way with blessing my city? Is there, is there a way that God's speaking to you where you're saying, you know what, I believe in this enough, I'm gonna commit to it, okay? I know we've talked about this before, we're kind of re-engaging an old message here, but I really do hope that, that this would be a time where we kind of wrestle through what is God calling us to do in participating in this regard. Now I want to wrap this whole thing up, and I, and I want to do it by talking about a scripture. So you know, if you've been a part of Overlook at all, we make a really big deal about freedom. We make a really big deal. We talk about Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. We, we focus on the words of Jesus. Jesus says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We talk about the incredible freedom that we experience when we realize that Jesus has forgiven us of all of our sin, that he has cleansed us of all of our unrighteousness, that it's his righteousness flowing in us, and, and actually, by willpower, by strength, by determination alone, we can't do it, but every good thing in our lives is a gift from him. And just all this freedom that comes from our, our relationship with Jesus. So we talk about that and we focus on the freedom that comes because Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free. And then there's something required of us because we're free. So take a look at this scripture. This is the Apostle Paul writing in Galatians. He writes, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. 
But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Overlake, for these next two years, this is going to be what we focus on. Using all of our freedom, right? leveraging our freedom, leveraging the location where God has placed us so that we might be able to serve one another in love. Now, I'll close with the story. I, I, driving this week, as I'm sure many of you are, and, and this happened a couple of times to me. This is not fabrication. This is not like, oh, I could tell a story about that. This actual events, okay? So I'm driving, and I'm at a, an intersection. I'm the second car waiting at a red light. Have you been there before? You're the second car. One car ahead of you, and then the intersection. So I'm the second car, and, and this happened two times. The light turns green, but the driver in front of me doesn't notice, does anyone, can you identify? You feel my pain? Okay, so I'm there, and I, you know, patience is one of those things that God's working on me on, and, and so I thought, okay, first time this happened, I'm thinking maybe this, this is something the Lord has just grown me in. So I'm just, I, I, I don't say anything, I don't do anything, I just, I just wait. And I, I think to myself, the same thing you think, it's not going to get any greener if... If it gets greener, it would grow. Like, uh, th there's, uh, I, I don't, you know, I'm kind of drumming my fingers on the steering wheel, just politely trying to stay polite, trying to stay positive, trying to, Lord, you're developing patience. And, and finally, and I don't know what the guy was doing. I, I mean, probably texting or, you know, emailing or reading War and Peace. I have no idea, but he, he wasn't, but finally he looks up and he sees that it's green and he takes off. Uh, second time this happened, I'm sitting in, and, and the first thought that I had as the light turns green and the person doesn't notice is, not again. Like, are you, are you kidding? This is a joke. Like, God, no way. I, you know, I already learned patience last time, remember? Like, I don't, you don't want to teach me patience again. And, and so because I'm, I don't actually get better at things, I get worse. I, I, I wasn't as patient the second time. And, and I, I, I was really wrestling with what to do because, you know, this is not California where I learned to drive. It's Washington, totally different driving philosophy up here. And I, I realized it's the east side, and I am the oft-recognized pastor of Overlake Christian Church. So I wasn't totally sure of how to proceed, but instead I, I just I gave the, the friendliest of of toots on the horn, boop, boop, you know, almost like the, the audio wave, you know, like, oh, ah, did I do that? I just, you know, and, and just a, doop, you know, a little deep. And the person in front of me in the car looks in the rearview mirror at me. <laughs> and I wave thinking, don't look at me, man. That light's turning yellow again. Get it going, you know, like. And then full disclosure, again, the, the, I, I just want you to know, this is not for the sake of sermon analogy. This, this happens that I'm driving my daughter and my son to church this morning. And it's a beautiful day, and Rainier is out, and my daughter's telling me about this houseboats trip that she just got back from, from student ministry. She's so filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just wonderful. And we're talking and engaging, and, and we're at the red light, and all of a sudden, behind me, I hear, honk, honk. Oh, hey, <laughs> sorry, it's green, you know, and, and I take off. So 
why did I meander down this pathway of, you know, oddities and sitting at green lights? Here, here's the deal. I wonder if God looks at you and me and says, it's green. It's way green. It's not going to get any greener. I couldn't make it greener if I wanted to, right? Like, it's as green as it's going to be. Go. Bless your city. What are you waiting for? What additional motivation do you need? What additional message can you hear? What additional thing can I do? Moving heaven and earth, sending my son, raising from the dead, forgiving all your sins, loving you without condition. What else do you need in order for you to go into the community where I have placed you and communicate that same thing? What else is there? And I don't think he's mad. I don't think he's angry. I don't think he's storming around heaven just waiting for us. But honestly, what are we doing? What are we distracted by? What do we think is a priority when really moving ahead should be the priority? See, this is such a great opportunity. Maybe this message is God just beeping the horn a little bit, getting our attention just one more time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is what you call us to to bless our city. Oh, this is what you call me to, to care for my parish. Oh, you want me to be a voice for the voiceless. Oh, I get it. Oh, you want me to love outlandishly, just like you loved. Okay. See, Overlake, I I promise you, the light is green. So let's go there together. Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your salvation that you offer so freely. Jesus, we just respond to you now. We just love you. We bless your name. We receive your grace as a gift. We, we are just thankful people right now. And Jesus, what we really ask is that we ask, would you show us how to proceed? We, we want to put our foot on the gas pedal right now. We want to move forward right now. We, we want to be a people that bless our city. We, we want to show your outlandish love. Would you show us how? Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you direct us? Would you allow us to remember that we're never alone in this, but you're with us every step of the way? So Jesus, we love you. We commit ourselves to you. We give you this next two years. We give you this campaign. We give you all the glory for any good thing that comes from it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.